away for them. But this weekend for the Wolverines, a home and home against Notre Dame, uh, which hopefully these games should be easier than the football game against Notre Dame. Uh, of course, we we think back to to the game. I think it was a game against Notre Dame last year where we saw the goalie, 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 civ, civ, civ chant. As both. Is that the game that Marty Turco went to also, and they had the four? There's another goalie, goalie, goalie. Set. It might have been. Yeah, because Marty Turco was there, so the Yost fans included him in the goalie. But, <laughs> but uh, moving on. Morgan, Morgan Say is is gone from Notre Dame, so they've got uh, David Brown as as uh, their goaltender. He'll split times with uh, with uh, Pierce, Jordan Pierce, their freshman goaltender, and uh, they they're not a they're not a very high scoring team at all. Uh, the, one of their best offensive players is the defenseman Wes O'Neill, and for for the Wolverines, I mean this this should be a a weekend in which they're they're looking for four points. Yeah, but the the one thing that might cause that to be otherwise is it's a home and home. Grand Notre Dame isn't the most rowdy hockey arena to play in, but it's always tough going on the road in the CCHA. Uh, it's kind of like the Big Ten in basketball. Anytime you can steal a win on the road, you're going to be pleased with it. So I'd say three to four points is what the Wolverines should be expecting this weekend. And I think that's pretty much going to wrap up our discussion for today on Extra Points. For everyone here in the studio, I'm Steve Lake saying good night and go blue. This has been a production of WCBN Sports, 88.3 FM, Ann Arbor. And then right back to the Jira. He will feed it to Cogliano. Cogliano but the shot on, he scores! Andrew Cogliano at the top of the far face-off circle rips the shot that I don't think Dominic McCary saw and beats him over the left shoulder. Wolverines with another power play goal. They are back in front, 3-2. to two. Am I listening to What station plays the least music and the most noise? FM and Arbor. Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And obviously, uh, probably the worst week of Bush's presidency last week. (laughs) Wednesday, you had the uh, death toll going in Iraq, over 2,000. That's American casualties. Thursday, the uh, withdrawal of Harriet Myers, which uh, I... Uh, only objectively, we'll say, was just a terrible appointment by Mr. Bush. And then, of course, the indictment of good old Scooter Libby. Scooter. Don't call me G. Gordon Liddy. Uh, and I think that the Iraq and the, the Libby uh, indictment are just f- festering problems for the Bush for the rest of his presidency. Well, the phrase that was uh, uttered during the... Watergate crisis was, of course, a growing cancer on the presidency. And as we've been saying down here for pretty much the entire duration of this administration, this is going to be a cancer-laden administration. And so the fact that the uh, 
things are starting to finally uh, get uh, called on some of this stuff is, on the one hand, a relief, but uh, almost too little too late to really prevent any of the horrible damage not only to our country's reputation but to infrastructure and, uh, you know, citizen uh, respect for government. It's just... In almost every possible way, this administration has been hurtful and damaging to uh, the interests of the citizens of the United States. Yeah, and I think that today Scott McClellan's press conference is just a a taste of what (laughs) the Bush administration is going to uh, be confronted with repeatedly for probably the duration of this entire fiasco. Um, I mean, let's face it, Dick Cheney is going to be one of the key witnesses in the trial. That uh, whole I've got thing. a theory about that. We can go into it a little later. Oh, yeah? <laughs> uh, you but, think- I mean, this has the potential to go, I mean, just going through Libby's uh, five uh, charges against him uh, is going to take years. Yeah. Well, and, and he's, you know, like I said, last week said, Haldeman and Ehrlichman, this is very similar to that level of stature that these guys have. Uh Libby, um, let's face it, he's not any ordinary uh, chief of staff or a VP. He was part of the Iraq White House group uh, that met repeatedly on the buildup to the war. It's been well known and um, advertised that he came into government uh, working for Dick Cheney back when he was Secretary of Defense in the first Bush administration. He's a protege of Paul Wolfowitz. So he was part of this whole... Um, pro-Iraq war group and the viciousness with which they went after Joe Wilson personally. And they keep talking about these 16 words, but I would like to remind listeners that it was 16 paragraphs. Bush had nothing but falsehoods right. uh, in that State of the Union in 2003. And to talk about 16 words and omit uh, all the other erroneous statements that Bush made in that speech is is mind-boggling. And the more dirt that comes out about the, the the way intelligence was misused, abused, and propagandized uh, for Bush's uh, goal of trying to change the Middle East, um, is uh, it, it's a very troubling story. And, um, uh, you know, when you have uh, Howard Dean, Harry Reid, and prominent members of the Democratic Party calling for Karl Rove's resignation, I, I get the sense that it's only a matter of time when he's shown uh, the door one way or another. Uh, and he's not out of the woods by any well, stretch of the imagination. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And in fact, <clears throat> although some people I spoke with last week were saying, oh, well, I wish Rove had been indicted already, too. And I thought, well, you know, once you're indicted, you can begin to prepare your legal response to that. You can, you know, get your team and your, your ducks in a row or whatever. It's kind of nice knowing that Karl Rove has to wait a little while oh, yeah. with anxiety uh, for the other shoe to drop, because it is going to drop. He is uh, still under investigation. He's been uh, called, I think, at least four times before this grand jury, and the odds that he perjured himself seem quite high. Well, they do, and it's interesting that uh, Fitzgerald's uh, group actually had some consultations with law- uh, Rove's lawyers on Wednesday before these indi- mm-hmm. indictments were Uh, unleashed. (laughs) Uh, A very interesting press conference that Fitzgerald had, by the way. He struck me as almost like a dragnet, uh, Mm. Joe Friday, just the facts, ma'am, kind of guy. Very uh, straight to the point, uh, no BSing around, no 
softening the edges. You know, he he was uh, pretty uh, thorough in his critique of uh, what had gone on with respect to Scooter Libby's uh, false statements and deliberate misleading uh, statements that he made not only to the FBI but apparently in front of the grand jury. Um, Repeatedly. Very good uh, stuff in yesterday's uh, book review section of the New York Times about the Iraq War. Uh, they review several uh, several books, and I think that it's this propinquity between uh, these uh, just massive corruption problems that the Republican Party is having. I mean, DeLay's been indicted. Bill Frist, he's under uh, further investigation regarding stock sales. So there is a tightening of the noose uh, going on in Washington with respect to the GOP and I don't think that uh, they're, they're going to get out of this one, um, and I don't think uh, President Bush is because he he has got that Dan Quayle like uh, appearance now on TV. Deer in the lights. Deer in the lights. He he looks lost. He looks troubled, and uh, I think that his troubles might just be getting started. Yeah, they're just getting started, and of course the the, the real casualties uh, are the American people. These reckless uh, deficits. Um, Money just being thrown around at uh, problems left and right. Um, he can talk all of, all he wants about quote the economy, but uh, you know when you see that 500,000 people have lost their jobs as a result of the hurricanes, and we've we've had record monthly inflation rates the last couple of months. Interest rates are likely to continue to be inching upward uh, slowly uh, but surely, uh, courtesy of Alan Greenspan. There's just a litany of problems for the president. And while this uh, new uh, Supreme Court appointee, uh, Samuel Alito, looks to me like he's probably in there, um, and it it briefly changes the topics uh, of conversation in Washington, uh, the Wilson, Libby, Rove... uh, Niger, uh, because it's going to be the investigation is continuing to probe the documents, the falsified documents, and apparently there's been some information that's come in from Italian intelligence agencies, Um, and so these fraudulent documents, which were in fact used for part of uh, Colin Powell's uh, briefing to the United Nations, which, by the way, another breaking of the ranks here, the former chief of staff for Colin Powell, um, Wilkerson, uh, Thomas Wilkerson, I believe, uh, has you know recently denounced the neoconservatives as a, a cabal, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, we mentioned that last week, and I think that that's the growing uh, consensus about how the history is uh, being written. Uh, you know, for instance, in in this uh, one of the more insightful uh, reviews is by uh, Fareed Zakaria. He is a sort of big wig at the uh, Newsweek uh, publication. Um, very articulate on foreign policy, and he's reviewing a book about the uh, blatant mistakes that were made in the Iraq war. And it's interesting to note, um, as as he puts it, um, <clears throat> regarding the so-called Dick Cheney-Donald Rumsfeld war plan, um, the uh, Army's original battle plan for 500,000 troops got whittled down to 160,000 if General Tommy Franks hadn't offered some resistance, the number would have dropped well below 100,000. Wow. So these knuckleheads were thinking of going into Iraq with less than 100,000 troops. Well, um, of course, they still believe Chalabi's uh, reports that, oh, you'll be welcomed with flowers, will be thrown sure. at our feet. Uh, Nonsense. 
Uh, and then, of course, he writes, as the looting begun and went unchecked, the occupation lost its authority of uh, its aura of authority and began spiraling downward. Iraq's first czar, Jay Garner, was quickly replaced, as were dozens of American officials, in what was the first of streams of shifts, counter shifts and bureaucratic battles. Garner was followed by L. Paul Bremer. Bremer was an intelligent man, but his previous administrative experience was confined to running the American embassy in the Netherlands. In any event, his two catastrophic decisions were probably made in Washington, the disbanding of the Iraqi army and debathification. Uh, this, in effect, uh, immediately uh, threw 35,000 uh, Sunni employees in the bureaucracy, including thousands of school teachers and mid-level functionaries. They all lost their jobs overnight. And this, of course, led to the uh, the elements of the insurgency and... Uh, it's just uh, amazing uh, how quickly and how badly this war in Iraq uh, is going, and that is something that Bush is not going to be able to stonewall away. Well, and just think back, too, on uh, you know, how recently it was that we were talking about, well, the number of American dead is coming up to 1,000. That's just over a year. Um, and, of course, the war has been going since uh, early 2003. Um and as Daniel Shore pointed out, it's it's accelerated considerably uh, over the past uh, nine months. And October, you know, we just had more the fourth deadliest month, 93 dead uh, Americans just this month. Um, there's no progress being made against the insurgency. And the insurgency, as we've noted, it, it consists of various elements. This is not some monolithic uh, thing sure. led by Abu al-Zakari. This is... Iranian groups, Syrian, Saudis, uh, these uh, suicide bombers uh, um, are, are using more powerful weapons. That's uh, right. that's the thing. And then you have this <laughs> bizarre um, attack on the uh, hotel where the journalists mm -hmm. stay just last week, which was actually photographed from high on the rooftop of the hotel, showing you know the cement truck barreling through the. Uh, Barricade that had already been breached, uh, a la New Orleans style, from another suicide bomber. So, I mean, these are very sophisticated attacks, and the U.S. doesn't have the troops on the ground, and it is a total mess. Mesopotamia with two S's. Indeed. To well, quote John Stewart. To kind of get back to a little bit to Cheney's troubles, because uh, he is the man of mystery. Uh, you know, I've been waiting, fortunately not holding my breath, for the secret meetings with the energy companies uh, from the very first year of the first term uh, to be publicly released, but that's not going to happen. Um, while Cheney himself is probably going to try to, and, you know, there are some who are already wondering what's, you know, Libby's uh, uh, defense strategy going to be here. You know, is he going to cop a plea? Um, is he going to just go ahead and, you know, say, okay, jail me, and then expect to be pardoned. Uh, very likely. Leaves. Very likely scenario <laughs> indeed. Uh, this privilege of the, uh, the, the last-minute pardon has got to be reconsidered at some point. There's all sorts of weirdness there. And Libby, of course, has experience in that regard indeed because he, does. he was the lawyer for Mark Rich. Who Clinton pardoned as one of the, what do they call those, backdoor pardons? Backdoor pardons, apparently, as a favor, actually, to the Israeli government, as it turns out. Like rich case, it, case, yeah. It, it turns out that uh, the uh, former um, prime minister of Israel was, was really the man lobbying for that pardon. 
uh, because Mark Rich had done so many good things on behalf of Israelis. Uh, well, the Likud military, Party, anyway, right? Yeah. But anyway, uh, even if Cheney, uh, through executive privilege and some tortured interpretation of that, can uh, you know excuse himself or get himself excused from testifying, uh, there's all sorts of insiders in that office. And whether or not Cheney testifies, when you realize that the people in the room are. David Addington, who's Cheney's legal counsel, John Hanna, the deputy national security advisor to Dick Cheney, and Catherine Martin, then Cheney's press secretary. These are three office intimates who are certainly going to be uh, subpoenaed to uh, present uh, their views as witnesses in any trial Libby might be expected to face. Cheney doesn't even need to be there for beans of a serious nature to be spilled, but... Even if he does get summoned, I predict Dick Cheney will never testify because I think, well, let's face it, he's due for another heart attack. And I can just see a Bill Casey-style exit scenario for Dick Cheney all too readily. Well, it's possible, and if you'll recall from your uh, history of Watergate, before they ultimately went after Nixon, they got rid of Spiro Agnew first Yeah, um, because they didn't want Agnew taking over. Um, so they quickly arranged a sort of, uh, well, he took bribes back when he was governor of Maryland 10 years ago or whatever it was. I mean, the, those were essentially the facts. So they forced Agnew out first mm-hmm. um, to get an appropriate replacement for Tricky Dick. And, of course, that turned out to be good old Gerald Ford, uh, former U of M football player. And, and representative from Grand Rapids. Something of a backdoor partner himself, which doomed him to uh, one half of a unelected term and of course the pardons that uh, bush's father um issued when he went out of oh, office you know pretty numerous. much undid the iran contra affair right. um, and of course the for, truth about that yeah for listeners who may be too young to recall the bill casey reference that was the head of the cia under uh, reagan's administration who died conveniently of a brain tumor uh days, maybe the day before he was supposed to go in and uh, appear before the committee. I wonder if he ate that cake that uh, Ali North took over to Ayatollah Khomeini. Well, I remember some suggesting at the time that he was whisked away to Prisoner Island, uh, the wonderful uh, sit, not sitcom, but British uh, spy thriller TV program of the 60s where people who knew too much but who became inconvenient were secreted away to. And Dick Cheney lived such a secretive life anyway. I mean, most people would probably accept it on its face that, wow, the pressure was too much. His his close, uh, intimate uh, advisor was indicted, and he had a heart attack and died. So, Well, and Frank Rich has got some great uh, comments in his uh, Sunday editorial about Cheney and Bush's brazen lies. Uh, He writes, for instance, uh, Cheney is particularly shameless. He's a shameless master of these black arts long before... He played semantics on Meet the Press uh, with his knowledge of Joe Wilson in the Lee case. He repeatedly fictionalized crucial matters of national security. As far back as May 8, 2001, he appeared on CNN to promote his new assignment and announced that day by Mr. Bush to direct a government review of the U.S. consequence management, quote-unquote, in the event of a terrorist attack. This is May 2001. Um 
That stunt was a preview of Mr. Cheney's unreliable pronouncements about the war from his early prediction that the Americans would be greeted as liberators in Iraq to this summer's declaration that the insurgency was in its, quote, last throes, unquote. Even before he began inflating Saddam's nuclear capabilities, he went on Meet the Press in December 2001 to peddle the notion that it's pretty well confirmed that there was a direct pre-9-11 link between Mohammed Atta and Iraqi intelligence. When the uh, Atta-Saddam link was disproved later, Gloria Borger, interviewing the vice president on CNBC, confronted him about his earlier claim, and Mr. Cheney told her three times that he had never said it had been pretty well confirmed, unquote. Um, then he goes on to cite Mr. Bush's uh, falsehoods. Uh, he's only slightly less brazen, his own false claims about Iraq's weapons of mass destruction, quote, we found the weapons of mass destruction, he said in May of 2003. Or, if anything, exceeded by his repeated boasts of capturing various bin Laden and Zarqawi's deputies and beating back al-Qaeda. His speech this month, announcing the foiling of 10 al-Qaeda plots, is typical. The USA toady uh, reported last week that at least six of the 10 on the president's list involved preliminary ideas about potential attacks, not terrorist operations. In June, Mr. Bush st uh, stood behind Attorney General Roberto Gonzalez and claimed, quote, federal terrorism investigations have resulted in charges against more than 400 suspects, and, quote, more than half of those have been convicted. A Washington Post investigation found that only 39 of the convictions that involved terrorism or national security, as opposed to, say, immigrant violations. That sum could be exceeded by the combined number of convictions in the Jack Abramoff and Tom DeLay scandals. So, yeah, it's amazing. And then he, he goes on to note that Keith, Keith Olbermann of MSNBC has recently compiled a 13 coincidences in which uh, a political downturn for the administration from revelations um, ignored the pre-9-11 terror warnings to fresh new details of uh, a terror event. So a anticipate... Uh, some ramping up of the terror threat uh, by the White House in upcoming weeks. Well, maybe tomorrow. Uh, Bush is scheduled to speak uh, at the National Institute of Health tomorrow, announcing his administration's strategy on how to prepare for the next flu pandemic. Well, I would hope that it's not his administration's strategy uh, and that it might be uh, the strategy of somebody who knows what the hell uh, might be a possible response to this you know, health threat, which, again, is very nebulous. And, you know, some people might remember, sure, every once in a while there are these uh, serious strains of flu. But, of course, the swine flu of some 25 years ago basically turned out to be uh, nothing. Uh, a lot of weird, mysterious uh, theories behind that, but certainly not the health uh, pandemic that was threatened. Well, the thing that's so silly about all of that uh, flu hype, and there's been way too much of it, in my opinion, because... It's been pointed out repeatedly that there is yet to be a actual human right. to human transmission of the avian flu. This, the people that have died from this are chicken handlers, basically, and that might be something that Bush should uh, brush up on. <laughs> uh, I might want to get back to the chicken farm there in uh, Waco, Texas, or wherever it is. No, it's it's Crawford, Texas. <laughs> um, it might well be Waco. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is this is silliness because uh, thirty thousand people in America die from ordinary flu every right. year anyway. And, um, you know, one of the other interesting things about the 1918 flu, which, of course, is the great worldwide pandemic that they talk about, 
it's very important to remember that was occurring four years into World War One, and uh, let's face it, there were a lot of people around the world that were not eating well. Um, there was rationing everywhere mm-hmm. uh, in Europe, in particular, and when you have widespread populations suffering as the result of war, and of course World War One was well one of those grand. Uh, follies of of all time in terms of wasted resources and silliness uh, about what really went on. Um, It's a very important war because uh, the result of uh, Turkey being involved on the wrong side uh, certainly changed uh, the Middle East, the Balkans, and other areas of the world that have led to so many of the foreign policy problems that we suffer from today. So it's very important to remember that that in 1918, many, many people globally were uh, compromised immune-wise because simply because of food. Um, And uh, that is is very uh, rarely mentioned in all of the hysteria about avian flu. And I heard today that they've found it uh, in bird stocks uh, here in in, uh, nearby Canada. And Ottawa is slaughtering chickens as we speak. So it's uh, certainly something to be prepared for, but uh, don't believe the hype. Indeed, Uh, but that's going to be one of the ways they're going to try to scare everybody again because that seems to be the only thing that has worked for them is lies and threats. Uh, Boy, a couple of brain damage awards uh, to give out here quickly too, but I also wanted to mention over the weekend and at the end of last week there's been a lot of – hoopla about the bizarro, wacko comments from uh, Iran's new president. Oh, yes. And, uh, of course, this guy fits right into the Bush worldview. In fact, I think it's quite likely to uh, surmise that his success electorally has to do with the fact that Iran's people have been demonized by the rhetoric from the Bush administration. Um, clearly, there's a, a large a youthful demographic in that country that wants to move away from the mullahs, um, but this sort of you know boxed-in feeling that uh, the power elite in Iran must be experiencing, whether you agree with them uh, politically, religiously, or not, um, is what's shaping the policies uh, and uh, direction of that country politically. But you know, clearly, there's no defense for his comments. No. Uh, pretty ridiculous and garbage. I mean, I'm just going to call it what it is. It's garbage. But I do want to point out that it, these utterances of his, basically that Israel should you know, not exist, um, do not appear in a vacuum. Uh, I regularly read uh, the fairly middle-of-the-road Israeli paper Haaretz online. And, uh, I re- recommend it. It's a, it's a fine newspaper, and you'll read some articles that will never see uh, print in an American paper. Um, but it's a matter of open topic and conversation. They have uh, reader uh, surveys. Should Israel strike Iran with a nuclear bomb? This has been an open topic of conversation in Israel for months, mm-hmm. several months. So, okay, yes, the Iranian president is a wacko and is saying these uh, ridiculous garbage things, but they're also talking some serious trash in Israel about striking with nuclear weapons. Well, and the other thing that's interesting, of course, is one of the critiques of the entire war in Iraq. I mean, from a geopolitical 
um, mainstream line was that this would actually strengthen Iran in the region, mm -hmm. and sure. it has. Yeah. Um, that is clear. And what is interesting about the uh, radical uh, president's comments, and let's remember that he was part of the uh, so-called Revolutionary mm -hmm. Guard in the Iranian Revolution of 79, he's, you know, this is just part of his uh, typical uh, belief system, unfortunately. Right. But it's important to realize that... Uh, Iran on the nuclear issue um, is saying, well, Israel has these weapons. Why can't we? I mean, just from a philosophical argument. It's also interesting that a couple of weeks ago, uh, when Condoleezza Rice, who uh, is never one to uh, make foolish statements in public that, that comport with the Bush administration's uh, Worldview of things uh, was making threatening comments mm -hmm. about Iran. Uh, the Iranian government said, "Well, we'll just cut off oil to the world. We'll boycott." And boy, the administration just shut right up the next day um, because Iran taking oil out of the uh, the global market would have devastating consequences, and immediate consequences on the American yeah. economy um, because the price of oil would probably do something uh, drastic, like double or triple quickly based on geopolitical events and all that nonsense, never mind uh, the record oil profits that, are, that have been made uh, by the oil companies just last week announced. Uh, 75% uh, $10 billion by ExxonMobil alone uh, in one quarter. That's obscene. Uh, they're socking it to us uh, while they, uh, quote, take advantage of the free market, mm -hmm. unquote. Um, so, yeah, the Iranian problem is not uh, going away for uh, the the, uh, the Bush administration, and I think that it would behoove the Bush uh, numbskulls to allow the Europeans to continue the diplomatic um, options that they have been. Progress had been uh, being made there, yeah. and it's been damaged by, again, the rhetoric and the, the thoughtless policies. I mean, it... It's been disastrous and, and anticipated, you know, uh, that the the events of the U.S. attempts to occupy Iraq uh, would strengthen Iran. And, of course, well, we want freedom, we want democracy, but what if the Shia win? Oh, well, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, they never have actually addressed Brent Scowcroft's criticism of the war in Iraq in that regard. Mm -hmm. They have never done it because they can't. <laughs> there is no... Uh, <laughs> Light at the end of the tunnel, uh, to borrow a phrase from Vietnam. And, and think more about the Vietnam, because, you know, I was looking at the total casualties in Vietnam, and it, 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 we 